In the early 18th century, a man was born in Boston that would spend the majority of his life shaping Americans into a weird combination of fiercely independent jerks who can't be told what to do and socially dependent clingers that need civic programs to function as human beings. That delicate balance exists to this very day, and most of his ideals continue to thrive without most of us giving him as much credit as he deserves. Well, that stops right fucking now. In this episode of HPH, we're going to tell you about this man's early life and how he found a way to impact America and make it the lovable mess that it is today. So why don't you just go ahead and grab a drink, settle in, and enjoy this episode of 100 Proof History, titled Benjamin Franklin Part 1, The Only Good Thing from Philly. This is 100 Proof History. We're drinking whiskey and talking history. So, grab a drink, sit back, relax, and enjoy a few laughs as the guys talk about all the horrible things people do to each other. Here are your hosts, Chris and Greg. All right, welcome in, everybody. Boys, girls, please have a seat. You may sit in um, cross-legged style. Yeah, crisscross applesauce, yeah. You know, I think that is like a, a funny observation just of, I guess, aging mm-hmm. is things that you did not find offensive. Like now are like, eh, you shouldn't say that. And you stop and think about it for 10 seconds. And it's like, <laughs> oh, yeah, no, I shouldn't. <laughs> I shouldn't say that. But it's like it, the thought never crossed my mind that that might be offensive. It's like the entire 10-year run of Friends. Like, oh my God, they were horrible people. They're so homophobic <laughs> and awful. Oh man, 90s sitcoms. Oh, You go back and watch those, it's like, wow. There's just homophobia everywhere. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh yeah, I uh, you know, wore my pink shirt today. <laughs> okay. Word for bundle of sticks. You know, like, <laughs> yeah. laugh track. Where's the big date tonight? <laughs> the Knicks game with your buddy? <laughs> right? High fives all around, cast. <laughs> I think that's the difference in a lot of people, though. It's, um, you know, whereas I'm like, oh, yeah, oops, I can see that. There's a lot of people that are like, nope, I've never done anything wrong in my entire <laughs> fucking life, including that. Let's go. It's like, okay. Yeah. All right. Nope. Everything I've done has been perfect. The world changed for the worse. You people keep getting too sensitive about everything. I should be able to call anybody British word for cigarette anytime I want to. And speaking of societal change, mm-hmm. that brings us to our topic today. A one Mr. Benjamin Franklin. Damn, that was so smooth. It, it just happened. I did not <laughs> plan that. Not that good. Come on, man. Yeah, we don't plan shit for this show. But what we do plan is to have a good time, number one, mm-hmm. and to reference fucking facts. And what is the book that we're referencing today? Well, today, Gregory, we are referencing our main source, Benjamin Franklin, An American Life, by Walter Isaacson. Uh, so far, pretty solid. Uh, it's a pretty good book. It tells the story of Ben Franklin. You know, it goes in a little bit of uh, a little bit of speculation sometimes. You're like, okay, well, you know, we've talked about Ron Chair now, how he falls in love with whoever he's writing about, and I feel like Isaacson did that a little bit with Ben Franklin. But Ben Franklin's really fucking easy to love. He's just kind of a, a scamp, you know? 
He is, and he's he's just so goddamn interesting. He really is. He really is. And so uh, we're going to do a three-part series on old Ben Franklin, starting today with his early life. And actually, it leads up to his retirement, and that may sound fucking crazy to you, but that's just the beginning of his story. Yes, and uh, since this is episode one of that three-parter, just going to let you know now, after that, we're taking a summer break. Mm-hmm. I'm having a goddamn human baby, <laughs> first one, so, you know, we'll be back eventually. Well, congrats. I didn't know the embryo took, but uh, science is a miracle, man, and I'm um, looking forward to watching you breastfeed that child as we go through our next set of episodes. Yes, yes, and I have chosen a natural birth. <laughs> There'll be plenty of painkillers, but I've started, uh, well, I've started widening out that birth canal, we'll just say. <laughs> Spent a lot of money on bad dragons recently. We're getting there. We're getting there. What's that? Bad dragon is the giant dildo. Oh, I don't know that. No, I thought, I feel like, I think we've talked about it on the show before, but yeah. I'm always drunk on the show. I don't remember that. <laughs> no, that would, uh, I'd be done at that point. <laughs> but I'm only up to the, the handle end of a screwdriver right now, so. <laughs> it is not comfy. I would prefer to start this show now. Okay, okay let's do it. <laughs> Benjamin Button Franklin was born on Sunday, January 17th, 1706. His father, Josiah, had immigrated from England back in 1683 with his first wife, Anne Child. And that's Anne Child. That's a name. It's not bad grammar, and pedophilia. <laughs> when I read the outline, I did not put that together. <laughs> I'm sitting here like, what the fuck is he talking about? <laughs> With his wife and child. Oh, mm -hmm. okay, good. And child. You yeah. gotta put the big paws in there. <laughs> Benjamin would later write that his dad had fled England to seek out religious freedom, but it was really so he could find better work and make more money. Together, Josiah and Anne would have seven children before she died in 1689. Five months later, he married a woman named Abia Folger. The two of them would go on to poop out ten more children, including Benjamin, who would be their eighth. That's a lot of fucking kids. Yeah. And it's wild to me. It's like, oh man, modern medicine. You know, back back then, people risked dying a dying a childbirth. Mm -hmm. Well, we're having like one, two kids now. That dude fathered 17 fucking kids. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah, you're rolling the dice. Some people are going to die. I'm not sure I've had sex 17 times in my adult life. Like, where is he getting the energy and the time? That's all I'm asking. You know, the oh, desire. You can only watch so many LPGA tournaments a year, right? Before you don't have any other material to get you all horned up. Do you think he's wearing like a... Um... A weightlifter, like, back brace. <laughs> Otherwise, like, how's he not throwing out his back? Having right? sex that many times. Right? Oh, 17 God. or more. Because you have to think some of them didn't take. Yeah, that's true. That's I mean, I know that's... I'm going out on a limb here, but... <laughs> that poor back. Yeah. And also the poor dead wife. And, and his calves. You, you know, that much sex, you're going to get dehydrated, and your calves are just going to cramp. Like, constantly. Like, the middle Ooh. of the night, and you're like, ah, fuck, and you're waking everybody up because you're dancing around with your 
calf cramps. I think that's only us because we drink too much. <clears throat> that's entirely possible. It really is. <laughs> Still, what a goddamn stud. Yeah. I'm sure he was a great dad. He was great. He was good. He was good. We'll, we'll find to out. To 17 but... fucking <laughs> That's a nice thing about having 17 of them. You, you just need one to turn out. Like, you and me, are, we're doing this shit wrong. We're, we're, we're putting all of our eggs in, like, one basket here. But, uh, you, the other six, who are the other 16 Franklin kids? You don't fucking know. No one knows. They got, they got the one famous one. They got the one quarterback, you know? Yeah, that's all you need. Do you want to go throw the ball, son? No, not you! <laughs> you sit down and you play your video game. <laughs> you play your Nintendo. Well, someday I'll be a famous gamer. That won't be a thing till the early 2000s, so everyone born before that who's really good at video games is just be good at video games and never make a living out of it and have to make a podcast or something. I don't know. They're just, you know, they can't make video games their life. I know that much. Go to school, you fucking asshole. You had the golden opportunity to use old person, old timey talk and say the 20 aughts. <laughs> 20 aughts. And you say the early 2000s. <laughs> you piece of shit. Sorry, I just, just remembering what my father said to me. <laughs> well, as a child, Ben showed a natural gift for invention. He created a small set of flippers to help him swim the nearby Charles River more easily, and he found that if he tied a kite to his belt, could use the wind to pull himself across ponds. He was also known as the leader of the boys that he played with and would organize them in games and activities. Now, Josiah's plan for Benjamin was to have him join the ministry, so he enrolled him in Boston Latin School, and he planned on sending Ben to Harvard, which at the time was basically a seminary school. Seminary. Can't help but think of come. Because <laughs> that priest and what he did to me. <laughs> yes, Father Uncle. <laughs> like a prayer by Madonna's playing in the background the whole time. It was actually like a virgin. <laughs> Uncle, you know this song isn't true anymore. Shut up, boy. Confess your sins to me. Well, and and that was me at that age. I was like a virgin. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but maybe not quite. <laughs> the age of 18. Exactly. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I graduated youth group that day. <laughs> in church. So certainly not any younger. Yep. Nope. That'd be offensive. I was just regular molested. Yeah. Not <laughs> underage. Yeah. Yeah. That way, when we listen to this in 20 years, we'll be like, oh, no, that still holds up. That's not, that's good. That's better than Friends. <laughs> but Harvard was super expensive, even in 1716. So at the age of 10, Ben Franklin dropped out of school forever. Little side note, fun fact. This is exactly how all of our serial killer episodes start, by the way. Like, I, I wanted him to go to school, be a man of God, but we just, we couldn't. He needed to come work for the family, you know, make money. And so he dropped out of school at 10, and then he started wearing my underwear and uh, strangling <laughs> prostitutes. And 
I don't know what happened. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know where his life went wrong. I just don't understand. <laughs> and a fun fact we probably won't get to in later episodes. In 1998, in Ben Franklin's London home, his later in life London home, uh, they found 1,200 bones in the basement. They suspect 15 bodies, including six children, but they think it was one of his tenants who was a medical student and not that Ben Franklin murdered all of those people in England. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you never know. Well, Ben went to work as an apprentice in his dad's candle shop, which, you know, sounds pretty nice until you realize it means skimming smelly bits of rendered fat off the top of boiling cauldrons. Ben said, Dad! I want to be a sailor. That's how he sounded at 10. But Josiah <laughs> had just lost a son at sea, and he'd seen the Jaws sequels and knew those parents were idiots for going back to the beach. So he decided to get Ben a different job instead. So at age 12, Franklin signed a nine-year contract to be an apprentice in his brother James's printing shop. Now at this point in time, Boston had two newspapers, and they were both pretty much run by the government. Initially, James was printing the Boston Gazette, but when he lost that contract, he started the first independent newspaper in the colonies, the New England Courant. Unfortunately, his first attempt at raging against the machine was to write an article denouncing the newly accepted practice of vaccinating against smallpox. Ooh. Yeah. Now, in his defense, back then, it was... It was we call it vaccinating, but it's inoculating, and they would cut off some smallpox scabs and like inject, like kind of like cut somebody's skin and rub the smallpox in there, and you get a like a mild case of smallpox, and it was it was sort of dangerous, and also it caused autism, and the study showed that. So, <laughs> so I I get it, I get it, but you know, the paper was a money making enterprise, so the next week. They also published the, the counter-editorial that said vaccines are pretty cool, and everybody should get one. Ben's work in the print shop allowed him to access books that would have otherwise been unavailable to him. Because of this, he was introduced to the Socratic method of debate, in which you ask questions instead of flat-out arguing with your opponent. And it would be his preferred method of winning arguments for the rest of his life. I tried this. It didn't work. Yeah? Yeah, I was having a debate with somebody, and I so I was like, ooh, let me channel the Socratic method into this. Let's give it a try. So I asked him, I was like, all right, so how exactly are you wrong? <laughs> and they're like, well, I'm not. And I was like, oh, fuck. Fuck! Damn it! All right, I concede. Fuck, it didn't work. <laughs> so I don't really believe in it. And that's why Donald Trump is the... Republican candidate in 2016. <laughs> you had him. You had him. <laughs> well, Ben also studied essays from other newspapers that use fake letters from readers to make an argument or present a moral to the reading audience. What's up, Holmes? Uh, <laughs> it's one of my essays. What's up, buddy? How you doing? I'm doing all right. How are you? <laughs> Pretty good. Wait, Just fuck. Like, that went that went gangster Italian a little yeah, bit. Yeah, damn it. Just like I'm we were talking. <laughs> Killing the bit. Abort. Abort. Pull the ejector seat. Here we go. <laughs> as soon as you crossed over into Germany. 
And the flag started coming. <laughs> nope. Nope. <laughs> Fuck you guys. Fuck America. Fuck Mickey Mouse. I hate it all. Fuck you to la. <laughs> now, when Ben tried to write an article for his brother's paper, and he was rejected by James, he resorted to this tactic of, you know, writing the essays and fake letters, and he created a character that called herself Silence Do Good. Despite the fact he was a 16-year-old boy posing as a royal widow, the articles were well-received, and Silence became the most popular character in the American colonies. They should have known it was fictional because it's a woman with the name Silence, am I right? <laughs> she, she stops talking, <laughs> <laughs> You're gonna be canceled ten years from now. <laughs> That's fine. I'll be a fucking millionaire just like Ross Geller. <laughs> Whatever his real name is. <laughs> Later, in 1722, James was arrested for bashing the Massachusetts government in the paper, and Ben was placed in charge of the Courant. In one issue, posing again as Silence Do Good, Franklin would write, quote, Without freedom of thought, there could be no such thing as wisdom. And I don't know why I'm Australian, but we're going to keep going with it. And no such thing as public liberty without freedom of speech. And I think I went Irish at the end. Wow. I don't know. <laughs> What's wrong with us? I don't know. We have some sort of accent chimera the past couple episodes. It's not... It's not been our proudest moment when it comes <sighs> to accents. I don't get it. End quote. Oh, yeah. <laughs> All that and then end yeah, quote. Yeah, end quote, yes. But eventually James returned to work and once again subjected his apprentice brother to humiliations and beatings. It was then that 17-year-old Benjamin Franklin secretly climbed on a boat to Philadelphia and fled from his apprenticeship. This is before his brother could say, You fired. <laughs> the apprentice. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I do understand. Thank you. I mean, that show hadn't been on the air in years, and I don't know what happened to the host of it. <laughs> He's kind of like faded in obscurity. I, don't know. I was about to say, well, <laughs> it hasn't, but <laughs> but it has. Oh fuck, it has. And it's coming back. Twenty twenty four, baby. Woo woo. <laughs> I hate politics. I hate everything. Once he arrived in Philly, Ben went to work for another printer and befriended the governor of Pennsylvania, Sir William Toby Keith. This earned him a little bit of money, which he immediately used to sail back to Boston and taunt his brother James. Because of this, he and his brother wouldn't talk for several years. I love that this shit is, it's like the brother thing. Mm-hmm. But as they get older, it just becomes, like, larger scale. Yeah. Well, it's like two brothers when they're young. You always have the older brother and the younger brother getting into it, and some shit happens, and they don't talk, but it'll be, like, for an hour Mm -hmm. or several. Or maybe when they're, like, later into their teens. It might be some days. Yeah. It's just funny that they never truly grow up. (laughs) Yeah, really. That we, that we never truly grow up. It it just, everything becomes larger in scale. Yes. So it's funny that these same, like, brother quarrels, they just exponentiate in scale. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. And our our main source is all like, oh, James is just jealous because 
Benjamin was so much better than him, you know? It's like, no, they're brothers. Main source loved fucking Ben. He really did. All right? He really did. He's just jealous because he saw Ben's penis at a urinal and he got a penis <laughs> envy, so I'm j- just saying, I mean, I'm... I wasn't there, but you could imagine if I was. <laughs> I would be so hard. So hard! <laughs> All right, Walter Isaacson. We get it. <laughs> oh, some of these guys, I do feel like you come over to their house. Like, you're just over there for, like, dinner and to, like, play a board game. And, like, one drink in, they're like, well, you know, another thing about Ben Franklin. Like, God damn it. Jesus. I get it. I get it. This is your life, Walter. I I get it, okay? I understand. You researched this a lot. (laughs) No one fucking asked. Just pick up your chance card. Jesus Christ. (laughs) Well, after just a year in Philly, Ben set sail for London. Governor Toby Keith had promised to send a letter of credit to England so that Franklin could buy printing equipment and set up his own shop. Well, it turns out that Toby Keith was full of shit, and Franklin was on his own. There were no boots in any asses. It was a fucking lie. (sighs) Anyway. It's all just propaganda. (laughs) Bullshit country music designed to sell records and shit in 1722. Fucking jackpot. For actual Kobe teeth. <laughs> yeah, it was. Oh, man. He, he capitalized on that tragedy of 9-11. God damn. He fucking killed it. Well, Ben went to work at a print shop in London and moved in with a friend named James Ralph, who said he was a poet, but he really just liked spending Franklin's money on booze and on hookers. Now, Franklin also enjoyed several nights with prostitutes, but he did not drink and was known to his English co-workers as the, quote, water American, end quote. Now just have a water. (laughs) (laughs) But still, that's like the worst fucking nickname they could come up with. Like, wasn't like water pussy or water British word for cigarettes? Because it was a 1700s, you can get away with that. That that version of Friends was just wild ass. (laughs) Franklin spent almost two years in London before a Quaker merchant convinced him to return to Philadelphia and work as a clerk in a general store. Selling oatmeal. Damn it. I was, I was trying to avoid it, but there it is. <laughs> well, just saying, man. I like the ones that are eggs, and you microwave them, and they turn into dinosaurs. What? You have not seen this miracle invention of oatmeal? Where you dump the oatmeal, and it's got a little... Cereal eggs in it, and you put the hot water on it, and you microwave it, and as you microwave it, the eggs dissolve, and inside are like uh, multicolored dinosaurs. That sounds vaguely familiar. I'm a 42-year-old man, and I'll eat that every goddamn morning, because I'm clinging to my youth as tightly as I can. You would. <laughs> Honey, would you like some scrambled eggs and toast? No, I'll have cocoa pebbles with chocolate milk instead of regular milk, thank you. <laughs> Sprinkle a little sugar in. It's a little <laughs> bitter for my taste otherwise. <laughs> Thank you, honey. Um, when are you planning on taking this insulin the doctor prescribed? Oh, fuck that. No, I don't like needles. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's weird. There's an infected cut on my foot. <laughs> Strange. I want you to get out one Pop-Tart, one toaster strudel, 
Get the icing of the toaster strudel. Put it on the reverse side of the Pop-Tart. Throw the toaster strudel away. Serve me that. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> oh, that sounds awful. Goddamn. <laughs> if I could get some simple syrup dipping sauce, I'd appreciate it. <laughs> yeah. Well, as Ben and the Quaker were sailing home, one of the other sailors was caught cheating at cards, and he was shunned as a punishment. It was then that Franklin developed an understanding of the importance of society and wrote, quote, Man is a sociable being, and it is, for aught I know, one of the worst punishments to be excluded from society. End quote. I hope my wife is listening and she'll let me back in the house. <laughs> ben arrived back in Philly in late 1726, but after just a few months, his Quaker benefactor died of death and left Franklin absolutely no part of the business. He went back to work for his original print shop boss, but soon realized that the guy was using him to train up the newbies so he could fire Franklin. So, Ben joined forces with one of those newbies and opened a competing print shop. When that guy turned out to be a drunk who only wanted to be a farmer, Ben bought out his share. Benjamin Franklin finally owned his own print shop, and he had a full-fledged career. He had also begun developing theories on society and how people should behave. Now, he had an opportunity to express those views and shape the American identity. Would he seize that opportunity, or would he fade into complete historical irrelevance and be forgotten forever? Who knows? Greg knows. I don't know. And he's going to tell you right after this break. It, I mean, yes. <laughs> I'm a strong, confident man. I will tell you after this break. <laughs> All right, welcome back to Hunter Proof History, the only podcast that is hand wash only. Line dry this thing. Just take care of it. That's all we're asking. We hope you're enjoying this episode on Ben Franklin. We think it's been good so far. That we've had some good times, and there is more to come. But before more comes, pause for. 12-year-olds to laugh, we have to pop the tops on what we call our second half seltzers. Second half seltzer. Second half seltzer. Second half seltzer. seltzer. All right. And three, two, let me get my finger under this thing. One, pop the top. Mmm. Fruity and light. <laughs> Just like Joey's date at the Rangers game one time. Right, guys? High five. Friends joke. Bring it back. More friends. Just, More friends. Yes. Apparently, the Gen Zers loved Friends. Like, they rewatched it. Like, it, it caused a resurgence. So, I think we're kind of, like, tapping into that. We're, we're hitting that, that secret audience of the 12-year-olds. Oh, nice. Okay. That modern advertising will fail 
and therefore mm-hmm. we will have no sponsorship <laughs> if we cater to them. Genius. Love <laughs> yes. it. Oh, if anybody has their life together, it's Gen Z. All right, well, Gregory, there is still a second half of this story to tell. Are you ready to do it? To it. I'm ready, and I pray to God that I'm able. (laughs) But here goes. In 1727, Benjamin Franklin was busy building his social network, Facebook, obviously, Mm-hmm. and founded a group named the Leather Apron Group, <laughs> better known as the Junto. The club was designed to create contacts within the tradesmen community and to also debate important political issues. It was here that Franklin not only once more employed the Socratic method of debate, he also morphed into an early version of Dale Carnegie, author of How to Win Friends and Influence People, one of the best-selling books of all time. Uh, one of the primary readers we've talked about was old Chuck Manson. Big fan of that book. Oh, Charlie was? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. I think that came from probably anybody his age. Yeah, it was right around there. Like I said, yeah. it's one of the best-selling books of all time. You have a copy on your bookshelf. I do. I still have not read it, obviously. <laughs> yes. Yes, I fucking hate you. <laughs> Continue. I influence no one. <laughs> I have, like, three friends. <laughs> One of them's married to me. The other will be born very soon. No, she is not my friend. She is my enemy. <laughs> but she does carry my spawn. <laughs> One of my dogs is my friend. The other is my enemy. <laughs> my garage enemy. <laughs> Your garage? Jesus. I'm telling you, man. I've got a lot of beef in this a world. A lot of enemies. Well... Franklin wrote, quote, Would you win the hearts of others? You must not seem to vie with them, but to admire them. Give them every opportunity of displaying their own qualifications. And when you have indulged their vanity, they will praise you in turn and prefer you above others. End quote. And I just want to say, Greg, you're doing a great job. You're Thanks, Mom. One of the best podcast hosts in the world. No, she said that exact thing once. Can I have more Patreon money? No. Damn it! Fuck you, Ben Franklin! God damn it! (laughs) His methods were highly effective for their time, and although the Junto was a secret society, it became so popular that demand for membership skyrocketed, and Billy soon had five different versions of the Junto. At this point in time, Philly only had one newspaper— Ben planned on starting a second, but naively told the Junto member, who immediately betrayed his plan to Ben's old boss, and that guy started his own paper, named the Universal Instructor in All Arts and Sciences and Pennsylvania Gazette. (laughs) All of that was the title. Brevity is the source of all wit. Hmm. Like, that that took up the whole fucking top of the page. In a time where you paid by the letter. Jesus. Well, they just, you know, turned down the font size. It's very easy. <laughs> yeah, just... Have you ever used Microsoft Word? <laughs> Come on, dude. Clubby's like, it looks like you're writing a title of a paper, but it's stupidly long. Would you like our help? I'm like, no, fuck you, Clippy. Clippy was cast iron back then. <laughs> and very, very racist. <laughs> 
Well, if that name wasn't bad enough, the owner decided to serialize entries from the encyclopedia to teach people about science, and his first topic of choice? Well, it was abortion. Benjamin Franklin saw an opportunity and wrote letters to the competing paper, the American Weekly Mercury, posing as women named Martha Careful and Celia Shortface. <laughs> Poor Celia. They both sound so ridiculous. <laughs> yes, this is my name. I am Martha Careful. I have married Joe Careful. He is very boring in bed. And I am Celia Shortface. I'm a single woman because my face is, like, fucking tiny. It's like a baby face. Let's call it what it is. I have a chode face. <laughs> and Martha's like, yeah, I'm careful. Me and my husband, well, we practice abstinence. Mm -hmm. He goes down to the cart stop <laughs> every Friday and Saturday evening. Because trucks aren't invented yet. <laughs> I'm very careful. I practice abstinence. But by God, if I do get knocked up, I got a man on this fucking abortion issue. You know what I'm saying? I got, I got, to, got my two cents. Holy here. shit, she went fucking crazy there. She went <laughs> at the end. Oh, crazy Martha Careful. Yeah, classic Martha Careful. Well, Ben feigned outrage at the abortion article, not because he had a strong opinion but because he knew it would sell papers and put his old boss out of business. He followed it up with a series of articles under the pen name Busybody and became America's first gossip writer. Just TMZ Ben Franklin, just sitting there with his giant fucking thing of water in the meetings. Oh, the Harvey guy. Yeah. Why do I know that? Because it's on every fucking TV when you get like an oil change... And you're just hanging out in there, or whatever, you know? Like, he's just sitting there with his fucking tumbler of water, like, What do you guys got for me? Oh, well, Taylor Swift uh, got her period today. <laughs> oh, really? Woo! Yeah. God damn it, I hate pop culture. Fuck. This is the country a Ben Franklin invented. Franklin's plan? It worked like a charm. His old boss fell into debt, was imprisoned, and fled to Barbados to avoid paying his creditors. As he was leaving in 1729, he sold his paper to Ben, who promptly shortened the name to the Pennsylvania Gazette. Nope. Mistake. Mistake. <laughs> <laughs> Unlike other newspapers that like to stir the pot, like his brother James had done with the Courant, or who kissed the ass of authority like the American Weekly Mercury, Franklin's goal was to delight and amuse while promoting public betterment. It proved to be incredibly popular. It was around this time old Ben decided it was high time to find himself a wife. Being a practical man, he preferred to find a bride whose family would pay him a dowry. One of his Junto buddies proposed that Ben marry his niece, prompting Franklin to ask for a dowry of 100 pounds. Which is around, like, four times a normal wage annually at this yes, point. Yeah. Well, when they said they couldn't afford the dowry and marry off their niece, he legit suggested they mortgage their home. <laughs> Shockingly, that arranged marriage fell through. It was then that Ben fell back in touch with a girl he knew in his youth, 
named Healthy Deborah Reed. <laughs> That's what they called her. It was just Deborah Reed, but <laughs> Healthy. That's, that was the big thing. No crabs, Deborah Reed is what they called her on the streets. <laughs> she and her mother had fallen on hard times, and Ben visited them often to give her mother advice on business matters. Over time, Ben fell for Deborah and decided to marry her, but not before becoming the inventor of the pros and cons list, a device he would share with his readers and would use to make tough decisions for the rest of his life. That's fucking crazy, right? Because it's that, one of those things. It's like it's, it seems what? so natural. Like it seems like something someone would come up with in the I don't know other fifty thousand years of human history. But I'm sure they did. But it wasn't pros and cons. Right. And that's what Ben Franklin You know, they're did. not using, like, straight opposites in Latin language that's shortened. Right. You know, it's very, it's, when you think about it, it's very specific. Pros, cons. Not like pluses and minuses, good, bad. It's just one of those things. It's like, I never would have attributed that to anybody. But it's a, a fun fact. If I dare say. Yeah, that's what he did. He, and he even wrote in his articles like, oh, if there's like two good ones and one really bad one, those kind of cancel each other out. Like he like did the math in all of his articles. Yeah. There was a like, waiting system to it. Yeah. And it's it's so crazy because like you said, it, it really, it is something that has existed in all of human history. You weigh the good and the bad when you're like, is this the person I'm going to spend the rest of my life with? You know? Is this the podcast I'm going to listen to for the rest of my life? You you weigh the good things versus the bad. and uh, But uh, Ben Franklin was the first one to say, what if we wrote it down, guys? What if we uh, made a list, each column? Well, healthy Deborah, she was technically married. So although it was believed her first husband had died at sea, she and Ben decided to enter a common-law marriage rather than risk her spending the rest of her life in jail for practicing bigamy. It was around this same time that Ben took custody of an illegitimate son named William. No one knows who his mother was, but Ben liked to fuck prostitutes, like, all the time, so it's likely she was a uh, Philadelphia working girl. Gross. Yeah. The Philadelphia part, not the sex work. Yeah, no, you go, girl. Right, but not Philadelphia girl. Oh, cool. Gosh, she fucking rooted for the Eagles. You know, she had a weird-ass accent. Get back in the horse stable. (laughs) Well, this caused some tension in the Franklin household, and Deborah was openly hostile towards her new adopted son and would later refer to him as, quote, the greatest villain upon earth, end quote. Even worse than Hitler, who will not live for another 180 years. That's how you knew it was bad. This so bad. Like, oh my god. Like, this poor kid, he's a baby. And she's like, oh, he's, he's worse than Hitler. Well, who's that, darling? Well, you'll find out. <laughs> <laughs> well, outside of that, it seemed to be a happy union. Deborah was a frugal, hard-working woman, which made Ben's pantaloons go all sort of crazy. There's only one painting of Deborah that exists, but years later, while traveling through London, 
Ben would help us picture her by comparing her to a mug he saw, saying, quote, I fell in love with it at first, for I thought it looked like a fat, jolly dame, <laughs> clean and tidy, with a neat blue and white calico gown on, good-natured and lovely, and just put me in mind of somebody, end quote. Was that the same accent I did? I don't know. Who knows? I don't know either. The accents are all over the goddamn map at this point. <laughs> God damn, what's wrong with them? <laughs> anyway. It's like, I saw a fucking fat ass mug, baby, it reminded me of you. I want to come home and just knock your ass up. <laughs> Dude got a boner from a mug. <laughs> yeah. Sounds like when I was in Iraq. <laughs> I'd see things shaped like other things, and I'd be like, fuck. Go back to the tent. <laughs> Everything reminds me of her. It's, it's not a joke. You know, you go long enough, and like it just takes little bits of anything. You look at a Arby's roast beef sandwich on a billboard, and you're like, god damn. Oh, my it god. Like, it was like 10 vaginas. I'm so goddamn horny and lonely. <laughs> oh, Jesus. <laughs> We got the oh, <laughs> horsey sauce everywhere. I'm sorry. Oh, thank you, Morpheus. Oh. <laughs> Voice of Arby's. <laughs> Voice of Arby's. <laughs> In 1732, Franklin created Poor Richard's Almanac which was a collection of weather predictions and folksy anecdotes designed to point out the follies of everyday life. From the almanac would come several fun maxims, such as, quote, fish and guests stink in three days, and, quote, three may keep a secret if two of them are dead. And since he was a noted bodybuilder, quote, no gains without pains. It's like, actually, a quote, we're not even fucking around. No, he's, he came up with that. I, he was not a bodybuilder, but... No. <laughs> no, not at all. But just talking about how you can't excel without some setback. Poor Richard's Almanac sold 10,000 copies every year and made its creator a, <laughs> a very wealthy man. And I don't know if you guys are like me. I'm old. My grandparents subscribed to Reader's Digest. little tiny book. And you go to their bathrooms, and there'd be like ten copies set up from the year. And you read all these folksy stories. And it'd be this very simple-sounding country bumpkin who had some sort of great insight, right? Like some sort of, this is the human condition, but I also fuck my cousin. That, that was the <laughs> attitude you were supposed to accept. And that is basically Poor Richard's Almanac. He was a very stupid person who came up with these profound observations on the human condition. But uh, that's what that's what made Ben Franklin all his money, was the ability to relate to everyone all at the same time. Stupid people and people who were like, oh, yeah, I shouldn't fuck my cousin. That's probably right. <laughs> Hmm, well, all right, plan B. And after I give her a plan B, what am I, what am I going to do after that? 
Guess I'll go to Sonic and <laughs> get one of those ocean waters. I heard it turns your poop green. <laughs> I'll do that. Anyway, no cousin babies. Thanks, Ben Franklin. <laughs> well, it was around this same time that Ben was continuing his efforts to improve society. <laughs> How noble. In 1731, he formed the Library Company of Philadelphia, which was the very first public library in America. Soon after that, he wrote an article under the name Pennsylvanus and proposed the formation of a public fire company. Within a year, Philadelphia had its first fire department, and just like the Junto, so many people wanted to volunteer that sister fire companies had to be formed. He soon also formed a Philadelphia Lodge of the Freemasons, and by 1734 was Grand Master of that lodge. Oh, purple robes and stuff. No, it's Freemasons. <laughs> okay, different. It runs much deeper. <laughs> yes. Oh, that little eye on the back of the dollar bill? Oh, you don't even know, brother. Oh, the all-seeing eye. No, you did this at the beginning of the secrets. Ooh, Nicholas Cage? Mm-hmm. Antarctica. I saw that parts of that movie, and <laughs> I remember those things. I went Ooh. to Washington earlier this year and went to the National Archives where they have the Declaration of Independence and the Constitution. There's no that is the most secure fucking place in Washington. You had to get the whole security scan, the TSA thing. Um, you could take your cell phone in, but if you took your cell phone out at any point in time, they would kick your ass out because it was so secretive. And all that is to say that Nicolas Cage lied to me and you can't fucking go through all that and try and find secrets while you're in there. Well, that's actually a good thing because, like, I've seen videos of, like, the Mona Lisa in the Louvre and just people taking nonstop Photos of it. And you're not supposed to do that. Right. Um, it was, this was back in the mid 2000s. I, I might have brought it up on the show before, but I went to the Vatican and you go to the museum and you get mm -hmm. to the end and that's where the Sistine Chapel is. Mm -hmm. And there's a large, like, easel outside of it mm -hmm. with a big old poster board that's like, no flash photography photography band or something mm -hmm. like that and i'm like oh shit because this is back in the days like before you had your your phone that would take all your pictures right like it's, it's straight up you know you're pulling out your fucking pocket cam yeah and so i'm like oh shit oh well i guess i'll just have to enjoy the experience right pull open the the door <laughs> It looked like Lady Gaga getting out of a fucking limousine and like all the flashes. I don't know, 2011. <laughs> it was just flashes like crazy, man. It was unbelievable. It was like they had this rule, but they would not enforce it. So I'm glad to hear some places they do. Oh, yeah. So you can really take it in. In the archives, like you walk into the room, the rotunda with all the shit, and there are like 20 security guards. Just watching you to make sure you're not fucking taking a Rotunda picture. with all the shit. Sounds like January 6th. <laughs> well, Mr. Franklin, I believe his first name is Benjamin. <laughs> he continued his work as a printer and 
soon was made postmaster, which spread the reach of his paper and almanac. He and Deborah had a daughter named Sally, and he soon displayed a somewhat progressive attitude by insisting that she be educated. But he was still a horny old man, (laughs) and wrote advice articles saying that if you can't get married, you should have sex with older ladies because they're more experienced, they're more discreet, and since they're old and ugly, (laughs) they'll do more weird shit in bed, (sighs) and they'll be more grateful for the dick and you give them. Oh, practically hear the Kelsey Grammer playing right now at the Milf Jazz Bar. But I tell you, you meet some some of these old truckers on the road. Mm-hmm. Not at the truck stop. At the truck stop, you know the kind of you got competition, the generation that you're getting. Yeah, you know these these guys are too far gone. You want to catch the new ones, the fish. <laughs> you know, you want to bring them to the truck stop. Yeah. These guys are only going to the truck stop for, for fuel. Yeah. You know, they're getting their diesel. Mm-hmm. They're going to the local bar about a block away. Drowning down their sorrows, missing their wife, you know. Mm-hmm. You find the older man. You're like, hmm. Bet he knows a thing or two. <laughs> oh, your wife showed you that. Oh. Oh, it's great, Tom. It's fucking great. And that's basically what Ben Franklin was doing. That's exactly what he's saying, right? Well, in 1747, Franklin formed the first private militia in America when he organized 10,000 volunteers into 100 companies designed to protect Pennsylvania from attacks from the French and from Native Americans. The government was outraged and labeled it treason, but by 1748, the threat of attack had passed and the militia was disbanded. But Ben Franklin had proven to be a great organizer of men. A year later, at the age of 42, Benjamin Franklin decided he had worked enough and retired, with an agreement that would pay him 650 pounds a year, at a time when a well-paid man made 25 pounds in that amount of time. Yep, Ben had led a nice life as a newspaper man spreading knowledge and humor to the colonies. But if you think that is where his story ends, number one, this would be boring as fuck. Like, (laughs) what a dumb fucking story. (laughs) Number two, you obviously didn't read the 1748 edition of Poor Richard's Almanac, in which Franklin wrote, quote, Lost time is never found again. Also, We literally called this episode Benjamin Franklin Part 1. You idiots. (laughs) End of this part of the story. Wow! We did it. Hope you learned something. Hope you're like, oh man, um, I was really hoping we're getting the Revolutionary War and do all that. We'll get there. Calm your tits. Just just calm down. We'll we'll get there. But uh, before that, You were probably thinking, before that thing you were thinking, you were thinking, we left out some stuff from his early life. No. No, we didn't. Oh, we did, Greg. Oh. We left out- No, don't tell them. Are we going to tell them? No! (laughs) We left out four very specific things that we save for a little segment we like to call the Fast Facts. (laughs) Fast fact number one. 
1726, Benjamin Franklin used letters from a print shop to make lead molds and became the first person in America to manufacture type. Because of this and his life as a printer, one of the most popular fonts used to make newspaper headlines, known as Franklin Gothic, was named after him in 1902. Fast Fact Number 2 In his long life, Benjamin Franklin would go on to be a scientist, politician, statesman, and a diplomat. But he wouldn't actually ever claim to be any of those things. Beginning in 1728, Ben would identify himself as he would 60 years later in his last will and testament, which started with the words, I, Benjamin Franklin of Philadelphia, printer. Fast fact number three. Ben Franklin practiced temperance, but loved going to taverns for the party vibe. In one of his Gazette articles, which would soon be hung in countless pubs, he produced a drinker's dictionary and listed 250 synonyms for being drunk, including addled, afflicted, cracked, and halfway to Concord, which is my favorite. Is how I'm feeling right now. Fast fact number four. In 1732, Deborah gave birth to a son that she and Ben called Frankie. Unfortunately, Frankie would die from smallpox at the age of four. In the years since he worked for his brother, Ben had switched sides and was a proponent of vaccination, but had not had Frankie vaccinated yet. Because people have been and always will be shitheads, Franklin had to publicly write that his son was not vaccinated because the anti-vaxxers of his time tried to claim the vaccine was responsible for Frankie's death. All right, well, that does it. Thank you guys for listening. Hope you enjoyed it. Hope you learned something and hope you come back next time for Ben Franklin Part 2. In the meantime, we hope you check out HunterProofHistory.com where you can find some biographic information on us, on our producers, everybody involved in the show. We also hope you consider maybe possibly joining the Patreon where just $3 a month gets you access to 39 classic episodes, over 60 bonus Many episodes that range from 15 to 30 minutes, we call them hangovers, they're fantastic, cover smaller topics in history, and it also gets you two-day early access to our new releases, and it's, it's just the best fucking deal you can find on the internet. Can we just say minimum two-day release? At, at least two days, yeah. There we go. Because sometimes it's like a week. It's whenever we finish working on it. And usually it's Greg that finishes early. I'm a little bit slow and put everything off. And You sound like my wife right now. <laughs> anyway, you can also find us on social media at 100ProofHistory. We're on the Facebook, we're on the Instagram, mostly the Instagram, sometimes the Facebook, and very rarely on the Twitter. But... For myself, your sexy, drunk co-host, Christopher. Oh, my God. (laughs) 
Leave that hiccup in, you piece of shit. <laughs> leave that in. <laughs> you don't have a hair on your fucking asshole. You don't leave that in. Let's go. Okay. For Wolf Dick, our esteemed invalid producer, for Dan Dan the Intro Man said his piece and then he ran, we say thank you. We ask main host, best host, if this podcast ended tomorrow, humanity would be asking, where is the main host, Gregory? What else? I really hate that hype. I do. I'm really enjoying this uh, Benjamin Franklin fella, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I feel like I can relate to him quite a bit. I look forward to getting into these next couple episodes with you, Chris, with the listener, with all those fake characters. <laughs> I can't wait, dude. Yeah, but there's going to be a little bit of a break after that. Not sure how long. Probably not too long. Mm-hmm. Long enough to make you want me, bitch. <laughs> Long enough for your child to resent you. It won't take long. Trust me. Uh, yeah. There we go. All right. Bye, guys. Bye. Despite the fact that he was a 16-year-old boy posing, posing, that boy posing, boy posing. Yeah, you'd love that. <laughs> <laughs> You son of a bitch. You sick fuck. <laughs>